This is Radio Boston. I'm Tiziana Deering, and we start with major news in the public health world. The Washington Post reported yesterday the Centers for Disease Control could soon drop isolation guidance for COVID-19. Now, according to the Post, anonymous sources inside the agency say guidance would move to using lack of fever and reduce symptoms as guides instead. The CDC has not confirmed the reports, but both Oregon and California already practice similar approaches. So what would that mean for us, and is this surprising? We asked Dr. Shira Darone, Chief Infection Control Officer for Tufts Medical Center, that last question just this morning when we sought her reaction to the news. No, I'm not surprised. Um, you know, I have been wondering if the CDC is working on this, and they confirmed uh, apparently in the Washington Post article that they've actually been working on it since August, um, because Oregon has made this change uh, actually way back in the spring because California made this change a couple of weeks ago. And that, you know, has suggested to me that there have at least been conversations between the states and the CDC on this. So a couple of things. First, anonymous sources uh, from the CDC in the Washington Post article, the official statement is they don't have any new guidelines out. Um, so that is interesting to me, and I didn't realize that. So your sense, Dr. Darone, is that Oregon and California would not have made the moves they've made, and as you say, they've made similar moves, if they had not done so in consultation with the CDC? Well, I don't know. I don't know that. So, but the first thing I wondered was, does, you know, especially when Oregon did this back in May, was does Oregon know something that, that I don't know about what the CDC is planning? Now, of course, we also know that many countries, European countries whose health authorities we have a lot of respect for, have made this move, some of them, you know, way back in 2022. So, you know, we know from looking at their epidemiology, that they have not had more spread of COVID after making those changes than United States states have. Um, we know from looking at Oregon that it has not had a worse COVID problem than states that have maintained five days of isolation. And so we can look and we can say that making this change doesn't have an impact on viral spread. And, and that's really because these uh, restrictions, if you want to call them that, whether it be the early days when we used to do 14 days of quarantine after an exposure, which we stopped doing a long time ago, whether it was 10 days of isolation or five days of isolation, they haven't worked to contain the virus. So does should I read then that roughly uh, if and when the CDC does make this its, its official guidance that you no longer, you know, quarantine for five days. You use uh, the loss of, you know, no more fever for 24 hours and a reduction or a, a abatement of symptoms as your guide. You would agree with that move? I agree with that move. I don't think it will worsen the spread of infection. But let me be very clear. It's not that I think that people are no longer contagious when their fever is gone for 24 hours. We know that people can have COVID and be contagious and never have a fever. We know that they can have COVID and be contagious with mild symptoms or no symptoms at all. So it's not that I think that, you know, this new guideline is necessarily scientifically based if you use contagiousness as your uh, metric. Um, it's, it's, it's that this new guideline aligns our approach to COVID with our approach to other respiratory viruses, all of which can have a contagious phase that extends beyond the period of acute illness. We're speaking with Dr. Shira Darone, who's the Chief Infection Control Officer at Tufts Medical Center. 
Um, Washington Post reporting uh, that the CDC could soon drop its isolation guidance for COVID-19. So a bunch of questions come out of that. Um, I, I think the first is, uh, you're, you, you know, you note that that's similar to other respiratory viruses. It does still raise the question, where does it leave someone who's, for example, immunocompromised or especially vulnerable in some other way? Um, those at higher risk of exposure kind of feeling like, okay, now there's no assurance that there's a safety net out there for me. There wasn't. People were still going to work with COVID and flu and other viruses. Many people had stopped testing. And there was actually this perverse incentive not to test because of the five days of isolation. You know, people were sensing that, you know, if they tested and had a, a confirmed diagnosis, they were going to miss work or miss school or miss something important. And what's most important for people, immunocompromised or, or otherwise, is that if you qualify for an antiviral, you should test. Um, and what we were seeing in our patients is is that often they weren't testing uh, and not n then not getting the benefit of that early because treatment. the price was uh, too high, not the yeah, physical right. the financial price, but you, the the risk was too high that they would then have to face this five days. That's right. So uh, that that is very interesting. Uh, a, a few weeks ago, we spoke with Dr. Sandra Galea, who's uh, the dean of the School of Public Health at Boston University. He's got a new book out. Uh, looking at and sort of assessing the public health response to COVID. And one of the things that we talked about is this matter of competing risks, right, Dr. Duronan, how you think about and calculate competing risks, the risk of loss of learning, the risk of mental health from isolation, uh, you know. Uh, and it sounds like that's what we're talking about here are the various competing risks and reassessing how you calculate that. I'm very concerned about this issue of chronic absenteeism in school, which has only worsened since the school closures associated with the COVID pandemic. I do feel like we have sent a message to some families and some children that school is not important. Um, and I think that this could be part of the solution to that problem. But there's another risk that that uh, Dr. Sandro ha has articulated well in his book, which is the risk of loss of trust in public health. When there's a rule out there uh, that no one is willing to follow, um, you really have to examine whether it's how important it is, it, how evidence-based is it, and how important is it to really enforce that rule if no one is willing to follow it. And sometimes it is important. You know, people didn't want to wear seatbelts and we enforced it and we improved seatbelt use and we saved lives. Um, you know, in the hospital, we are constantly working on making sure we enforce hand hygiene because we know it works and because it's worth the effort. When it comes to five days of isolation, do we know it works and is it worth the effort? If people aren't doing it, are we really going to die on this hill? And that's that's the question right now. All right. Dr. Shira Darone is Chief Infection Control Officer and Epidemiologist at Tufts Medical Center. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you.